Hey, what's up, guys? Here on the Fire Sports Pod, where everything we do here is fire. You guys know the drill. Coming to you from Apple Podcasts and Spotify from our audio show here on the Fire Sports Pod. We got three great segments for you guys today. Um, we got first one up, what are the biggest questions going into the offseason for the New York Yankees? Uh, number two, despite all the trade movement throughout the NBA in the offseason, do the Lakers still have the most complete roster? And the third and final, who has the best odds to win the Stanley Cup this year? Now let's roll right into what are the fir- what are the uh, what are the best things that what are the pressing questions going into the offseason that the uh, um, that the New York Yankees needs to take care of. Now, if you look at it, this winter is going to take a lot of thinking and maybe even some heroics to turn around the Yankees, whose season ended with a thud Sunday instead of continuing into the playoffs for the first time since 2016. We all know this. First time missing uh, the playoffs since 2016. Yankees finished 82 and 80 on the season. Uh, but the reality and disappointment is certainly upon us, as Boone said, the following a 5 to 2 loss to the Royals in game 162 at, uh, at the Royals Stadium. That task, certainly going into the offseason, is making sure we're all preparing to make sure we're all in the best possible position when we get to spring training. Boone said he planned to be meet with general manager Brian Cashman and owner Hale Steinbrenner sometime this week in Tampa. It'll take place as the Yankees prepare for an outside company to perform an evaluation of its baseball operations department. Though the front office deep dive into the fourth place team's problems has already started. Here are 10 questions hanging over the Yankees as a possible postseason as the postseason begins without them. Uh, what should come of the uh, the management? Uh, management firm expected to form an audit on the Yankees' internal systems will likely get underway sometime next week. It is expected to leave so. No stone unturned, though the team, according to high-level team source, is hoping for a through examination of analytics department, which has recommended several high-profile trades that have failed in recent years. The source who spoke to the condition of animosity in order to speak freely pointed to how the club doubled down on hitters who offered high exit velocities and particularly launch angles while de-emphasizing strikeouts or how it consistently built lineups that were too right-handed and easy to attack. The player development apparatus could also come under fire for not having MLB-ready players for when the Yankee studs were hurt midseason, forcing the team to rely on also run Rands, Billy McKinnon, Jake Bowers, and Willie Calhoun, among others. The medical staff could also be a target. The Yankees have finished in top 10 in injured list stints every year since 2017. That is not good. That means our medical staff sucks ass. Like, really. Now, another second question is, can the Yankees count on a reassurance from, from Stan? Stan hasn't shown much. He's shown shit. I mean, he's, in, in certain occasions, he's good, but in other certain occasions, he sucks ass. The biggest problem hovering over the Yankees roster is a $98 million Stan who is old over the next four years. He showed zero signs of being a, product, a productive player this season. Let alone the next four years, Stanton finished in 2023 hitting... 191, 275, and 420 with 24 home runs. That is freaking atrocious. The home runs are certainly nice, but it's a level of production that isn't much different than what the Yankees received from Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo's not with the team anymore. He sucks. So how the hell is a stand that's getting $98 million in four years is going to be compared to Joey effing Gallo? That's ridiculous. Now, whom the team acknowledged as a mistake when it has traded him last year. The difference between Gallo and Stanton was that the former could at least run while the play good defense, whereas the latter later didn't do either of those at acceptable levels. So basically, they're saying Joey Gallo is technically right now better than Stanton because he can at least run on the bases and can play defense. Right now, Stanton can't play defense 
or freaking run. He looks like an old man out there. Now, Stanton has become an all-or-nothing player who's dragging down the Yankees as designated hitter-only option. He finished 2023 with an 89 WRS plus 11% worse than the average MLB hitter. For a bat-only player, that's a soul-sucking for the lineup. His ability is also always in question as he's been on the injured list in each of the past five years. So the question now is what can Stanton do to change? And he is willing. And if he is willing, the Yankees likely will count him on heading into the next season because it's too much money to eat. I absolutely believe it is still in there for him to be what we need him to be in the middle of our lineup, Boone said. Now let's see if a change could happen. Now have the Yankees grading... Anthony Volpe on a curve. Anthony Volpe finished his first major league season with the offensive numbers that are objectively not particularly good. Taught it as one of the best prospects in the baseball whose bat was further along than his glove. It can be argued it turned out the opposite. In 159 games, Volpe hit just 209 with a 666, 666 OPS. Yes, he's become just the Yankees' second rookie to hit 20 home runs and 20, steal 20 bases, crushing two bombs and sweeping, swiping 24 bags. And yes... Defensively, he's passed the eye test. Even if Boone's pronouncements that he deserves to be in the gold glove conversation are a bit overstated, the truth is for all the praise that the Yankees have held, heaped on Vol- Volpe for handling his first year in the majors at 20, 20 years, 22 years old, that's still grading him on a curve. He's the shortstop in the New York Yankees for a reason. He's expected to produce like it, not to be given a pass because of his age and inexperience. Now, what level of concern should there be for the Carlos Rodon? Carlos Rodon sucks. His ERA was 6.85 ERA, and Yankees in the first year of his six-year $162 million contract. Like, what the hell? And dissing pitcher coach Matt Blake in the process. The Yankees will likely point to Rodon not being fully healthy, which is good, but still at the same time, that's ridiculous. Steinbearing hope Rodon paired with Garrett Cole would give the Yankees the best two combination of any rotation, but instead Rodon was one of the worst pitchers in the sport. Significant improvements in needed from Rodon's this offseason to prove he's not one of the organizers' biggest blunders in a recent memory. This could be close to what we did with um um with one of our worst worst contracts we've ever we've ever Ellsbury. This could be one of the worst. I mean Rodon's one hundred and sixty two million dollars over six year span, and he was one of the worst pitchers in the MOB with a six point six five ERA. 8-5 ERA, my mistake. Now, which of their prospects is pressed enough to become locks for next year? I think person that really kept a lot, I think it was um, Dominguez. Really, Wells was good. Uh, but right-hitting defensively superior, Jose Trevino, Ben Roto will be out of options. Kyle Gashiel in his fifth aberration year after making $1.5 million this season, could end up traded in the offseason after seeing his playing time drastically cut with Wells' emergence. So Yankees passed up from prior to the midi-core rookie year. It's difficult to imagine Oswaldo Peraza with a starting spot if Gloria Torres is still around come spring. The Yankees need an upgrade in left field over Everton Pereira and Randy Vasquez. Uh, Brito should be considered parts of next year's rotation. Which free agents make sense for the Yankees to pursue? Tommy Canely, neither of whom helped much this offseason. The Yankees need starting pitching and bullpen. So that's another one. Shohei Tani is the best available player, but there's no clear spot for him on the Yankees roster with Stanton accompanying the DH spot. Cody Bellinger will likely get a nine-figure deal, and I'm the opinion of the Yankees should not entertain another long deal with someone who's has much of a risk as he does. The biggest free agent the Yankees should pursue is 24-year-old Japanese star pitcher 
uh, Yamatua. He's young enough to add the team's youth movement and has a special stuff. How will they handle waiting for Jason Dominguez? Jason Dominguez has Tommy John surgery, so we'll see how long he takes out. Uh, but he was really good for us. We'll see how he does coming off Tommy John surgery. Uh, will the Yankees reamp their training methods to hit the fastball? I mean, the Yankees hit 247, 334, and 441 against all fastballs. It's nearly impossible to be a contending team if you can't do damage against fastballs. Seven of the ten best slugging teams against fastballs this year are in the playoffs. The Yankees finished 14th. That just shows that we suck. Will they trade Glaber Torres? I don't know. I like Glaber Torres, but to get somebody there... He had Torres hit 273 with 25 home runs, 68 RBIs, posting 800 OPS. So who knows? He's still one of the best, but who knows? Will Steinberg pass the fourth luxury tax threshold? 300 million plus payroll to win the World Series. There's a lot of stuff that we have. Potential training for San Diego Padres superstar Juan Soto if he becomes available. Signing Yamatua is a high-priced deal. Could help re-engaging the St. Louis Cardinals on a potential deal for a few of their young position players like Brandon Domenum, Nolan Gorman, Dylan Carlos, and Alec Burleson, who could help Steinberger keep the payroll below the highest tax level. There's a lot of stuff that could happen, but guys, there's a lot of questions that the Yankees have to answer this offseason to see if we're contenders for next year. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of problems with this. But now moving on for the Yankees. You guys can see my emotion with the New York Yankees. Moving on from that. Uh, we're gonna go into uh, does the roster of the of the, of the Lakers is the of the Lakers roster one of the most complete rosters in the league and are they one of the best rosters? I mean, uh, winners and losers are NBA free agency column, but after the first twenty four hours of the free agency, Los Angeles Lakers emerges through the second consecutive transition window with the marked improvements to the roster surrounding LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Now, nonetheless, we gave Anthony Davis an extension. I mean, we got some really good guys. Three second-round picks Los Angeles sent to Washington for Rio Hachimura. That was last season. $51 million deal Friday uh, la- uh, a couple months ago. I mean, we extension the Wizards last offseason. Hachimura was searching for $15 million average. I mean, we got Russell Westbrook left. We got D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, we, we, we have some really gay. Vincent came. We re-signed Austin Ree- Reeves. Torian Prince from the Timberwolves, Mac. Uh, there was a lot of great, great. Cam Reddish was another one. I mean, we have some very, very good talent. Um, I, I, to be honest, guys, I really think we have one of the best and deepest rosters in the league. We can go on a five-on-five with different types of things. Gabe Vincent, Jared Vanderbilt, Jackson Hayes, Rui Hachimura, LeBron, AD, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves. There's a bunch of guys that we have on this team that we can plug in in any type of way. And they were automatically instant um, players that we could plug and put. And we're we're good. I mean, the roster for the Lakers, man. Just give me a second. Lost, Lakers roster this season is looking absolutely monstrous. I mean, if we look at the roster, we got Max Christie. That was last year's one of the rookies. Anthony Davis, Rhea Hachimura, Jackson Hayes, Jalen Hood Scunafino, LeBron James, Maxwell Lewis, Scottie Pippen Jr., Torian Prince, Austin Rees, Cam Reddish, D'Angelo Runcell, Jared Vanderbilt, Gabe Vincent, and Christian Wood that we just signed about a month and a half ago. We have some really, really good, good squad. We got some really young talent, and we got some older guys, and we got some mid Mid-older guys. We have some really good talent. I think we have one of the best rosters in the league and one of the deepest rosters in the league. I think we are appraised to go for on a run to win the championship this year. 
Now, yes, of course, Damian Lillard went to Milwaukee last week. So there's some stuff in there. But we won't meet them until we get to the finals. So I'm not worried about that. I mean, the Nuggets stayed really the same. They lost Bruce Brown. The Warriors added Chris Paul. I mean, there's a lot of other trades. Bradley Beal went to the Suns. That's a big thing. But can they all stay healthy? And can they all be in sync? There's the difference. But moving on from that, ladies and gentlemen, go to our last and final um, segment on our on our audio show here on the Fire Sports Pod. We are going to be going over the best... Who has the best odds to win the Stanley Cup this year? Now, for favorites, uh, the Colorado Avalanche at plus 850. Um, Carolina Hurricanes at plus 900. Edmund, uh, Oilers at plus 1,100. Jersey, New Jersey Devils are at four at plus 1,100. And Toronto uh, Maple Leafs at plus 1,100. Now, those are the top five favorites to win the, the, the Stanley Cup. Now, contenders... You have Dallas at plus 1300. You got Vegas at plus 1300. They were they're the defending champs. So that's kind of that's kind of weird that they're plus 1300. You got the Rangers at plus 1700. You got Boston at plus 1700. Rejoin Boston so low off of coming off a historic season last week. Their goalie just got hurt. So that's that's uh that's a big loss for them. Tampa? Ah. Well, my bad. I just got word. It was actually Tampa's goalie that got hurt. So, plus 1,700, Tampa was right below it. So, for some reason, Boston is actually higher, and they have won the most games last year. So, with Boston winning so many games last year, everyone's thinking that they're going to have a fluke year this year, which I don't think they're going to be one of the best teams, which, to be honest, I kind of agree with that. Tampa? Eh, fuck Tampa. I hate Tampa, so... Whoever, whoever, Boston and Tampa, I don't care whose goalie was bad and whose goalie was hurt. They both suck. I don't like them. So, to be honest, they're bo- they're below the Rangers, so that's all I give a shit about. Um, Vegas, though, I very, very weird. Vegas won the uh, the champion, uh, the Stanley Cup last year, so I don't know how they're plus 1,300, behind, and they are, I believe, seventh in the race uh, when it comes to the, the, the favorites to win the, win the Stanley Cup, which doesn't make any sense, but... Hey, I guess uh, the other teams got better. I mean, I don't know. I think Vegas was would have been one of the top five teams as the favorites to win the chip. Uh, but other nonetheless, uh, Boston goes with the with the uh, with the ninth spot, and Tampa finishes out the top ten in the favorites and the contenders to win the Stanley Cup this year. Now, all teams in general, uh, like I said, Colorado's at one with eight fifty. Carolina's at two with nine hundred. Oilers are at plus one. Uh, one thousand uh, eleven hundred at three. Uh, New Jersey Devils are at uh, five, tied with the Oilers, plus one uh, eleven hundred. Toronto's also tied uh, with Oilers and the Devils at plus eleven hundred at the sixth uh, at the fifth spot. Dallas is at six. Vegas is at seven. Rangers are at eight. Boston is at nine. Tampa's at ten. L.A. is at eleven. Florida's at twelve. Plus 2,000. They were in the Stanley Cup last year against Vegas. I think they should be a little higher. I would have actually... Um, I would take... I would have... Um, I would have them above LA. I would have the Florida Panthers at uh, the 11th spot. And the Kings at the 12th spot. Uh, the Penguins are at 13th. Uh, Minnesota is at 14th. Cal is at 15th. Oh my god. All these other teams suck. Um... I'm even skipping those guys. They should not even be up there. Uh, Buffalo is at 17th or 16th. Um, 
Islanders are damn they're that far. Jesus, they suck. They're like nineteenth. Jesus. And uh, even though the uh, Blackhawks got um, some big, 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 big Connor Bedore, whatever his name is, the only reason why I don't really care about but uh, because he is on one of the worst teams in the in the NHL, and as you guys can see, their odds is plus twenty thousand. Like, that's pretty bad. Plus 20,000 is ridiculous. So you're never going to hear his name because he's on one of the worst teams in the NHL. I mean, they're not even the worst team. <laughs> but they're all tied for the worst team. The last four teams are all tied for the for the the Ducks, the Sharks. I don't even know the last team. That guy, like, that, that team is like... Oh, the Canadians? I'm getting this from my cameraman, guys. The Canadians are absolutely one of the worst teams, I guess. They are the worst team. <laughs> They're last place on the, on, the, uh, on, the, on the race to win the title. So if you see the Canadians up in the, the playoffs, then you know this, this whole thing is rigged because they're, they're really bad. I mean, if you go from the Phillies all the way down, from the Blackhawks to the Sharks to the Ducks to the Canadians, all those teams are so bad. Like, they shouldn't even, they, like, you know, like, you know, guys, like, when they do, like, soccer and they have different leagues, like, you should put the last, like, six teams that have no chance to winning the cup from the Arizona Coyotes all the way freaking down. So if you're plus 10,000 or, or higher, you should not even be in the NHL. You should be in, like, another, con- you should be in, like, the G League of the NBA, basically. Like, another separate thing. You should be in the minors. Like, it's that bad. So everybody else, like Detroit up, like they got plus 7,000. Okay, they're still in single digits. But you're in double digits to win the title. Get the F out of here. Like don't even be in the NHL. It's just embarrassing. But other than that, guys, that's pretty much it for the rounding out the the, the top teams. Um, but really what matters more are the kind of the top 15. Um, basically from Pittsburgh, uh, Penguins to all the way up to the uh, uh, Colorado Avalanche. That's basically where it's where it should be cut off. Everybody else... Below that, forget about them. And you play, over 3,000 is just ridiculous. But never know. Like th- There's a long season, 82 games. There's a lot of games that can happen. So there's a lot of stuff that could happen throughout the season. And different players could get hurt. Goalies could get hurt. Tampa Bay already starting off the season, and their goalies already hurt. So that's not good for them. But again, like I said, fuck Tampa because Tampa sucks. So Tampa can go die in a hole for all I give a shit about so is Boston. So as long as the Rangers are above them, I'm good. So um, again, rounding out the top, uh, the top ten teams are Colorado, Carolina, Oilers, Devils, Toronto, Dallas, Vegas, Rangers, Boston, Tampa. That rounds out the top ten, um, and then finishing with the Kings uh, at eleven and the Panthers at twelve, Pittsburgh at thirteen, Minnesota at fourteen, Cal at fifteen. That's pretty much it, guys. But other than that, guys, that's pretty much it for my Fire Sports Pod audio show. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the uh, show today. We just we're about to be po- we're going to be posting at five a.m. our YouTube show, and then following that will be Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We just posted our TikTok today, uh, so you guys should check that out. Uh, I will be co- I will be talking to you guys next week on um, our show again. So I hope you guys enjoyed this weekend of Sunday football, college football, and uh, that's pretty much it. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and I'll catch you guys next week. Peace out.